is from the Abington Community Library. We'll be talking about library programs, book recommendations and explorations, and fun facts. This is episode 22. We're talking about literary culture. Hello and welcome to Lexivore, the podcast from the Abington Community Library. You might be familiar with lexicon, vocabulary, or lexical. Lex has to do with words, and vor, like herbivore or carnivore, means an eater of. So lexivore means those who are voracious in reading, those who devour words. I'm Mary. And I'm Renee, and we are library staff at the Abington Community Library. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Since this is our mid-year episode, we decided to switch things up. You may remember that Mary was a guest on our last episode where we talked about Matt Haig's The Midnight Library. Megan and I had so much fun with her that we decided to make her a permanent part of the crew. Moving forward, we'll be rotating co-hosts, so you'll be hearing combinations of Mary, Mega, and myself, Renee, moving forward. So Mary, on behalf of Mega and myself, welcome. We are so thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So we are going to start, as we always do, by chatting about what we're reading. So Mary, tell me what you're reading! (laughs) So I just finished The Box in the Woods by Maureen Johnson. I read it in a two-day span. It's a 400-page book, (laughs) but I just had to finish it. Um, It's the fourth book in this author's um, Stevie Bell Truly Devious series. Um, It's considered a standalone, but I consider it the fourth book. Um, It's one of my favorite young adult mystery series, and I will recommend it to everybody who comes into the library. I think you and I have also talked about this series, too. Yes, because you enjoy the Charlotte Holmes one, and I said, oh, you should try Truly Devious, because they're very similar. These are my vacation reads, so I have them all on hold right now. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, But this one follows Stevie into the woods as a summer camp counselor where she's investigating a cold case homicide that happened in 1978. I love this one because it was so different from the other three and that she kind of tackles this like slasher summer camp vibe. Um, It made me think of American Horror Story 1984 with Les Gore, if you've watched that. Um, But yeah, it was so much fun. I enjoyed trying to figure out the mystery, which, spoiler, I did not. Oh, so it's a really good one then. Yeah, yeah. I... It caught me by surprise, um, so I really enjoyed that. And then I've also been dabbling in some nonfiction, which I normally Yay. don't read. <laughs> but I was really excited when we got in Women and Other Monsters, which looks at the role of women in Greek mythology and how they take on a monstrous role, and they're kind of always the villain in the stories. I'm looking at Renee's face. <laughs> How funny. I have never put that together. Medusa. Mm-hmm. Who else? Cersei's kind of the yes, villain you're right. um, in in a lot of the stories in the background. And and the fates are kind the fa- of Yeah, the fates and the, the yeah. fates and the furies are kind of so why did you pick this up? Did you, like, request it or just came across your desk? No, I didn't request it. I actually saw it when we were shelving. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, what Megan does all the time. <laughs> but I will read anything that has to do with Greek mythology. Okay. And even though it was nonfiction, I was sort of like, okay, this is interesting. Because the author ties in all of these stories about these female monsters and how they apply to her current day situation with, like, 
sexism and fat phobia and oh, like this is blowing my mind right now and it's like so interesting when you look at how all of this like ties in together um so yeah i'm not done with it yet but i'm loving it and it will probably end up getting like a permanent spot on the bookcase um <laughs> listeners this is by jess zimmerman so if you're interested in looking that up um that is the author and this lo- i'm looking it up right now um i'm also going to put a hold on this right now because that those are all of my favorite things um and i also like when so it sounds kind of like memoir. Yeah, it's very okay. memoirish, which I don't think you would initially get when you're right. looking at the the book flap. Yeah. It just kind of seems like it's almost a study in Greek mythology and yeah. trying to get women to like rewrite the myths that they are part of. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very like memoir, which is interesting. It was it's a unique like tie. There's a lot going on in it, but in a good way. It sounds yes. Like. Okay. <gasps> Oh, fun. I know. You're always reading really interesting things. So, so I'm excited that you're a part of the podcast. <laughs> um, I am reading, as per usual, um, works that have been translated and works that um, are memoirs. I do read a lot of memoirs. So I just finished um, Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner, who you may also known as Japanese Breakfast. Um, I came in after I finished this, and I think I, like, did a little mini book talk in the office. Yes, and it was amazing, and I'm pretty sure, like, everybody put a hold on it afterwards. I, oh, my gosh. I read this. I read this in two days. It is about um, a woman who... I hope I don't start crying because I, I cried a lot during the reading of it, but it's an exploration of grief, family, and identity as a Korean American. And so um, Michelle grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Um, her mother was from Korea. She had very high expectations for her. You know, there's that um, that whole thing of like a painful adolescence where there was um, some depression and mental health issues going on there. And, you know, the mom is in a different country and, and you know, she marries this man and they moved to the, they moved to America. Um, and so what I really love about this is they go back and forth talking about, um, when they would visit Seoul and then living in America, but food is such a big part of this. And I love that. Um, I love that. That's such a unique take on like a memoir. And especially when you think about like Asian culture, um, I was reading a ton of like Asian American literature in May. Um, as you know, in celebration of Asian American yeah, monks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's so many interesting aspects of food in their culture. Like I read this mm-hmm. book, I love you so mochi. And it's just like, Oh my God, that's so cute. Like, right. But yeah, food is such a like pervasive aspect of their culture. And I think like as Americans, we don't really have, it's not the same. No. Um, one of my favorite things is that when I lived in Korea, they don't ask you, like, how are you doing? They ask you, have you eaten? And so whenever I would go to my job, they would always ask me in the morning, like, oh, have you eaten? Or, like, what have you had for breakfast already today? And, like, that's how they're seeing, like, how you're doing. Um, and so in this novel or in this memoir, her mother is sick. She um, is dealing with cancer. And so Michelle moves back to Oregon to help and is starting to cook to, like, a work through her grief and this like terrible time in her life, but also to like care for her mother. It's just lovely. And again, it sounds so beautiful. I just cried a lot and it's great. And so if you like memoirs, this is a great read for you. If you like descriptions of food, this is a great book for you. Um, And I think if you have any, any sort of relationship with a mother, I think this can be like very healing and cathartic as well. 
So there's my book talk about that. I got through it without crying. Congratulations, Yay! Renee. Um, and then another book that I read is entitled Winter in Sokcho. This also takes place in South Korea, but near the North Korean border. It is by Elisa Shua Duspan. It was originally written um, in the French and then translated to English. So that's why I said translated work. And this is about a young French-Korean woman who works as a receptionist in a guest house one evening. A very unexpected guest arrives who's this French cartoonist, um, and he is looking for ways to kind of connect with this landscape. And um, so because it's near the North Korean border, it's very desolate, it's very icy and cold. And so there's just like some very beautifully written moments about the landscape, which I really liked. Um, But it's also just an interesting look at, it's kind of like a coming of age novel, I would say. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's cool. And I feel like when you look at landscapes that are relatively barren or snowy, it it can be so hard to like encapsulate the beauty and that like stillness and that loneliness. Yes, perfect. I would say. And that's very much like what she's feeling. And so there's this nice like juxtaposition of like the landscape being desolate and like her life being desolate. So yes, per- <laughs> you you just, you just know. Um, so yes, that's what we're reading. It's super short. So if you need a really short book to read winter and soap show, I think is like 112 pages. Oh, that's beautiful. You can just read it. <laughs> just read it. Um, and all of these books are available through the library system. Awesome. All right. So our main topic today that we're talking about is literary culture. And that that sounds sort of weird to talk about. We're talking about ways to interact with literature that is not just reading. And so we're talking about festivals. We're talking about literary prizes, um, literary like pilgrimages to places. So you were kind enough to like jump right in and say that you wanted to (laughs) co-host with me. So thank you. You're welcome. um, I love sharing how to live your best bookish lifestyle. And you... (laughs) You have a lot of, like, grand ideas about things that, like, the library can do and, like, the library system can do. So I feel like this is a very good fit for you. And you do a lot of, like, cool um, library or, like, reading culture things for our teens. So Yes. I, I enjoy, like, building up your reading culture and how you can develop and evolve it, like, from being a child yeah. to being an adult who has children who come yes, to the library. Exactly. So, you know, how do you, how do you continue that reading lifestyle and how does it evolve as you age? And how do you make sure, like, not to fall out of it in right. those teenage years, which are so <gasps> difficult. Yes, this is perfect. And I love what you talked about, about developing it over time, because... That, I think, is something that you're so good at fostering in our teens. And then also, you do, like, a Harry Potter club for adults who might be dealing with Harry Potter with their kids. So, I like, I think, yeah, I'm just, (laughs) I'm excited for us to talk about this. So, I thought we could start by talking about literary prizes. Um, This is, so I... I'm like a ride or die person on literary prizes. I love looking at all the lists. I, like, have them marked in my calendar. It's very... That is a big part of literary culture for me, um, just to see what the experts, in quotes, um, are liking, because I often do like them, but sometimes I don't. And so then it's interesting (laughs) to be like, oh, you thought this was worth worth it, please. Like, what about this book instead? Um, So my very favorite one that I love is the Booker Prize 
for those of you who might not be um, as attuned to it as I am, um, it is the leading literary award in the English-speaking world. Um, it has brought recognition, reward, and readership to outstanding fiction for over 50 years. So some um, books that you might be familiar with that have received the um, Booker Prize is A Brief History of Seven Killings, uh, The Sense of an Ending, and Girl, Woman, Other, which I think um, happened pretty recently, recently, maybe like 2019, before everything shut, shut down. down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so this is um, uh, annually awarded to a book written in English and published in either the UK or Ireland. And so I think that's really cool, too, is that I... I really love this one because I don't know if I would be exposed to those books otherwise. Um, yeah. Or I'm sure I would eventually, but not as much. So, very true. It, yeah. it definitely brings to light some different authors to check out that you may not be familiar with. Um, I also think having lists like these are a nice way to break into some different type of literature. Totally. You kind of have a nice starting point. Um, yeah. That's a very good with, point. With knowing where to go. Because um, I think when you see stuff that's like, oh, this won the National Book Award or the Booker Prize, and you're kind of like, Oh my God, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that sounds too scary to read. I'm just going to put this guy back. <laughs> but there are literary prizes for everything. So there's yes. romance ones. There's um, sci-fi ones. There, like, And that's really cool, too, is that if you have a genre that you love, you can just go and start there. Or like you said, I don't, I like, I read a, I read a fair amount of like rom-coms, but if I just wanted to read like serious romance, then I could just go on that list and see what to read yeah it's great it because like you said it covers every genre every age Audio group books, i mean yeah. picture Kids. books mm -hmm. graphic novels um and it is a great way to expand your reading as well as like really get into that like niche genre you yeah. might be into I love it. I'm all about it. What do you have a favorite winner of the Booker Prize? Oh, that's such a fun what a fun question. I don't know if I have a favorite one. One that I've been meaning to read, um, that everyone in my life has been telling me about that I keep it's um is the Shuggy Bane. Um and so that was 2020s, and that's by Douglas Stewart. Um if you saw the cover, you would know it. It is um a black and white picture of uh, two people in a bed. Um, but like Margaret Atwood, her, the Testaments won like the year before. Um, oh, and that was the year with the girl, woman, other with Bernadine, um, Evistero. but I, I mean, a brief history of seven killings was excellent. And I really did that. Like that one's intense. Um, so yeah, what a fun question. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> um, and then you had just mentioned the national, uh, book award again, like what a great, what a great one. Colson Whitehead has won that. Um, Twice, My right? fave. Yeah, my fave. I just got um, an advanced copy of his <gasps> September book from NetGalley. Oh, my God. NetGalley, if you're listening, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I'm thrilled to be starting that. And again, like, that's like literary culture of, for people like us or like big readers, you can get advanced copies Please. of things. And that's cool. Yes. NetGalley is awesome because their site is so easy to navigate. So easy. 
Um, and you can sign up under the premise of a thousand different things <laughs> from like librarian to book blogger right. to book Instagrammer. Yeah. So it's you know awesome. It's so great. And there's a lot of stuff that's available that you can read right now without even like going through the like application process, so yeah. to speak. And it's a great way to kind of like really discover stuff that you probably would not pick up 100%, on your own. A hundred percent. And they just um brought out audiobooks too. So that's thrilling as well for people that, you know, like to read audiobooks. So what are some of your, um, some of your favorite literary prizes or ones that you follow? Um, so as a huge reader in the YA and teen section, I love the Michael Prince award. Um, I will say that every time I look at the list, I have never read any of the books on there. (laughs) I'm not even familiar with this one. I'm going to look this up right now. So, for me, at least, like, the 2021 winners were totally new. Um, I haven't read any of them, nor do I think I'd ever heard of any of them before I even, like, looked. Um, but, like, Dig... Oh, I read Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. That one's great. That is a great one. Um, and I love that it includes graphic novels, yes. which I think is great, ones, yeah. um, especially because... Teens are really interested in graphic novels, and it's kind of hard to sell to parents. Yes. Um, they, they get a bad rap. Yeah, they view it as, like, less than, but there's so much more reading that has to go into a graphic novel when you're looking at, like, the art style and what's in the background and what's the subtext of everything going on. Right. Um, conversationally, reading-wise, there's not a whole lot there, but... There's a lot to, like, interpret. And the and reader, ha- I think the reader has to do more work. Like, the onus yes. is on them to connect the dots. Whereas when you're reading a novel, the author has to do that for you. For you, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love that it includes, like, a lot of graphic novels um, in their roundup. And it's kind of a fun way, again, to explore a lot of, like, niche authors. Mm-hmm, totally. Um I also like the Alex Awards because they actually recognize 10 titles at a time. And um, I like putting together like reading lists from that as well. And then I do have one uh, stapled up on my desk right now. That's like a PA 2021 um, young adult reads um, that you can vote on. Just like as a member of the community. Um, what up, PA? So I am currently reading through that list and putting little plus and minuses for the stuff I like and don't like. Um, but yeah, I think some of these awards are a great way to kind of showcase and show the value in books that maybe get overshadowed mm-hmm. or aren't appreciated because either maybe they're fantasy based. Yes. Or it's a mystery and it doesn't have that same kind of like contemporary fiction value that you see a lot. But um, no, I think they're a great way to like start reading lists. They usually have great potential for like book discussion, yes, especially yep. like Laura Dean. Yes, there's like, so much in there. There is so much there to talk exactly. about. And it's so relatable yeah. um, to teens. So those are my favorite awards. <laughs> <laughs> and like we said, there are lists for all ages. So we haven't really talked about any kids' awards, but they're Newberry, out there. Newberry. Yeah. Yeah. Caldecott. Exactly. Like, they're all out there, and it's just, I love it. And as someone who is very list-oriented, this is just a really nice way to build a reading list and to, even, um, like, for reader advisory at the library, it's a great way for us to say, oh, you like literary fiction and just pulling up one of those lists. Oh, you like fantasy? 
and pulling up one of those lists because, you know, we are very well read, but not in every single genre. Yes. Um, and the person that reads that genre might not be working that day. So if you are in a similar situation as we are, there's a, there's a life hack. I hope I get a tip. <laughs> I hope I get a, um, a monetary tip for that life And hack. you can even find these lists on like Goodreads mm-hmm. or Likewise. And if you find a book that you liked off one of those lists, you'll now be connected to 50 other titles um, <laughs> or that are authors. similar yeah. to that. Because um, I know when Emily and I do the subscription boxes for adults and teens, we're always looking at like these kind of awards or Goodreads or Likewise. Because... Yeah, as well read um, as as we like to be, you can't read every you can't read everything single book, um, and something that I don't like might work for one of the teens exactly um, in the box. So yeah, that was just that wasn't even scratching the iceberg. That was just like a barely, chip. barely the tip. <laughs> that was barely anything. So definitely go out there, find some literary prizes, and start reading um, differently. So we've talked about literary prizes. Next, we're talking about literary festivals. Have you ever been to a literary festival? I went to a festival at Princeton. It must have been like two years ago now, right? Two or three, I guess. With COVID shutting down. Time doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Um, But Princeton hosts a children's and teen literary festival at the college. Um, where they have, like, different books for sale, different authors to me. It was really odd because, like, the main, like, spokesperson was James Patterson. And not that he doesn't write children's literature, but it was just odd to have this, like, huge adult author. You're like, as, where's Rainbow Rowell? Yeah, as, like, your... Right. Yeah, like, where's Mo Willems? Like, right. that's right. who you expect to kind of, like, headline one of these things. But it's it's so much fun to just meet other people with similar reading interests, um, see how committed they are to building up, like, children's literature. Yes. Um, so it's a lot of fun, and I really want to go to more. There had been one at Easton um, okay. with through their library system, actually, but I haven't seen an updated date um, yeah. if that's going to be occurring this year or not. But I definitely want to... Um, attend more. Right. And there's so many locally in yes. the Northeast. Yep. I mean, we really luck out being in such close proximity to New York, New Jersey. So Even like D.C. Um, yes. Being able to get to that. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a huge part of literary culture, I would say, is that kind of what you hit on when you are going to these festivals, it is all people like you. And so basically everyone there is your, are your best friend. And you can just like strike up conversations. And it's just, it's cool to be immersed in that environment because you don't always get that like we're we're super lucky that we work in the library so like we're all readers but like your everyday engineer who might who might be a reader doesn't always get that interaction Um, yeah so that is cool and we read like so widely at the library too that even though we're all readers i feel like our interests are so Mm -hmm. varied yes um so, yeah, even just being able to connect on, like, a a nerdy level right. of, like, fantasy readers. Yeah, <laughs> like... exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, again, there are gazillions of these. Um, we both kind of ran into the issue that with COVID, some of the 
festival dates have not been updated. So for some of them, we may give you festival dates. For some of them, we may just tell you about them. So it'll make you do a little bit of, of work on your end, listeners. Um, one that I definitely want to discuss um, is the National Book Festival in D.C. This happens in August. Um, it is put on through the Library of Congress. I'm obsessed with it. Um, this is one. So I've never been to a literary festival. This is one that I am hoping to go to sometime I don't know, in the next few years, like, professional development, I'm sure that... No, yes. Just yes. kidding. Um, but I, I agree. I, I love this. I think it's so cool. It's super um, well-known. It is... It's just awesome. Like, people I can love just... the, um, like, books to film yeah. event that they do. Like, that is so cool because... That's right up your alley. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, we all know. <laughs> no, but, like... Yeah, you know, books are such a great springboard for other multimedia-based yeah. interests. Um, and there are so many books turned to film, especially with Netflix and Hulu right. and Everyone's HBO doing it. is yeah. doing everything um, page to screen, so to speak. So Something that I think is cool about this is I don't always think of DC as a literary city. Um, and maybe that's just like my own my own hang-up. I think of it's like very stuffy and uptight and obviously political. Um, but I think of like LA or um, New York. Like I think of like those as literary cities. Even Seattle, Even Chicago, Chicago come exactly. to mind. Boston. Like yes. all of these places I'm like, yes. Oh my God, Boston. <laughs> like that is a literary, but I don't think of DC as that. And so I think it's also cool that the Library of Congress like hosts this and, and it just kind of like reframes the city for me in that way. So that's why I wanted to share it because I don't ever really think about it in that way. <laughs> No, no. New York all the way for me, for festivals. Yeah, like what are some of your festivals that you think about when you think about New York? Uh, Comic-Con, obviously, which is... of course have to talk about that. October 7th to 10th this year, and I would love to attend it, but I want to attend it from very, very far away. (laughs) Um, When I look at, like, pictures of it, I just think, oh my god, that's so many people. (laughs) And they're all dressed up, and it's like, people are so into it. And I, like, what if I got lost? What if I brought someone they got lost? Like, yeah, what I if my have cell phones costume didn't make sense to people? <laughs> like, but I I just think it's, like, the the ultimate geeky hub. And, and I love it. Like, I think it's great. I think it did a great job of putting, like, geek culture on the forefront. Like, totally. New York and San Francisco and everything. I always think of the Big Bang Theory when they were trying to buy tickets and they're just sitting at their laptops like, refresh, yeah. refresh, refresh. <laughs> and I was like, that would be me. But that's how it is. And mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think it would be great to go look at. And they always have such interesting panel discussions. And even when they did it virtually, I did watch some of it um, last year. And the panel discussions were so interesting because they did tie back so much to literature and, you know, how important dialogue is within, mm-hmm. like, comic books. Yep. And, you know, looking at people who write, like, Marie Lu is a fantastic YA author. And even though she didn't really start out in comic books, she started out in video game culture, right. which is They're super so, interesting. Right, right. Um And you kind of think, wow, you know, when I play a video game, I'm living a story. Um, So it's just so cool to see how all of this, like, ties in together. That is, like, when I think of festivals, that's what I think of. So when we were kind of 
batting this around, that was the one that I immediately thought of. And honestly, that could be its own episode because there is so much. And like you said, it does tie back into literature, but also just, again, I I keep, I hate that I keep saying culture, like the culture around Comic-Con is so strong and it's such like a vibe and a mood and like, yeah. And, and there's so much love for it. Right. And, and people make all these, like, lifelong friendships of people that they met who've traveled to Comic-Con right. from And you go year Wisconsin. one, and then you like, go year two, and you go year three. Like, the loyalty that is there um, is just amazing. So, yes, obviously Comic-Con. Um, and even though I'm scared to attend Comic-Con, <laughs> um, I am willing to try Colossal Con East, which actually takes place in the Pocono area, and it's at Kalahari this year. Oh, perfect. From September 17th to the 19th. And That's amazing. they've got, like, a video game in arcade room, and you can wear your cosplay. And I'm like, all I want to do is make a thousand costumes that I would wear for these two days and then wear for Halloween. And that's it. <laughs> but... And that's on a smaller scale, so that's way more yes, reasonable and doable. Exactly. And it's, like, so close to us. And if I get overwhelmed by the people, I just go back to my hotel room. Right. And it's all good. Mary, I love this. <laughs> Put in your vacation time. I, I You're going. really am. Like, oh, my God. It's, it's like, an hour away from us. We have to go. You'll have to come back and report on what it's like. Um, yeah, that's... And, again, even just, like, the things that spawn off of these bigger literary festivals, I think is really cool to see. And, like, they're... And you and I have talked about this more, you than me. Like, they're easy to replicate if you have enough woman and manpower, like yes. person power. Um, and so that's kind of cool thinking about you can create your own literary culture wherever you are with whoever you have around you and, and yeah, make it happen. Yeah. And let everybody kind of like dive into the aspect that like really interests mm-hmm. them. Like, you know, do you have someone who's that super like, sci-fi guru who knows all about that lifestyle well then they run that end of it do you have someone who's really into like gaming and then that you know they can create panels on you know what does it take to make a video game right because there is so much that we don't even think about think about and like self-publishing do you know somebody who is a self-published author and would like to talk to people about you know the steps to that especially as it becomes like a more realistic alternative to going right. through a publishing house. Yeah, such great points. Um, there are a million other literary festivals um, in New York. There's the New Yorker Festival, which happens October 4th through the 10th. It's put on by the magazine. This one is just super, super well-known. They bring in so many like high-end um, authors and speakers, and it's very uh, snooty. Um, so I always like to throw that one in because, you know, there are people that that's, that's the kind of festival they want to go to and that's the vibe they want. And so, you know, we're equal opportunity here. Um, there are tons of international festivals like the Edinburgh International Book Festival that happens in Scotland. Um, that happens in August. And that one I think is just, again, really well known. They have over, um, like 700 events and it, I feel like I, like, grew up hearing about that, but, like, not really knowing, knowing what it was. I was just like, yeah, Scotland. You know what I mean? Um, and it would be so cool to go. Get a group of friends, rent out a castle for, like, 50 <laughs> bucks a night each, and then you're good to go. Like, Yeah. And this, I mean, um, I took this off of their website, but they have over 800 writers who are 
flown in from all around the world. And so you're going to this and the chances of you meeting a writer is very good. And so I think that's really cool is that if you're going to these festivals, if you're going to these comic cons, you want to interact with James Patterson. You want to interact with with Neil Gaiman. Exactly. And And that's a way for you to do it that you're not going to get any other way. No. Mm -hmm. And it's such a cool way to do it. And so many places are like, yeah, you know, you can bring up to three books for them to sign and you can get photographs and... And I feel like it's just such a life-changing moment to be able to be like, you know what? I read this book at the exact right moment in my life that I needed this book. Thank you for that. Yes. You know, and you're really able to connect with them. And I'm sure, like, authors appreciate being able to connect with their fans. Exactly. On such a, like, deep and personal level. Yeah. Um, I forgot about, like, the whole, yeah, like, signing things or, like, getting photographs. Like, that is such a big part of these festivals. And of literary culture where even thinking about like literary swag like you want your harry potter bag you want your jane austen your jane austen scarf yes Mm -hmm. or Um, even like um i feel like you and emily were talking about literary subscription boxes of things that you've received in that and it just adds it just adds to your experience yes it it brings everything to life in a very like tactile Mm -hmm. way like um no surprise, I have a Harry Potter subscription. <laughs> um, and the most recent one I got, um, you got seven items that were inspired by, like, seven of the kids in Harry Potter. So you got um, the Remembral from Aww. Neville. You got a flashlight for Ron because of me. Sure, the end. makes sense. Um, but you got, like, bookends for Hermione. Oh, fun. And, like, a glass art piece that represents Harry and, like, all these different things. Um, You got, like, a lion's head thing that I would obviously (laughs) never have a need to wear that represents Luna. Um, But just all this cool stuff that, like, really brings the books um, to life for you. And, you know, getting special edition versions. Mm -hmm. um, Especially with the Harry Potters, there's, like, 50 different You can have, truly... An entire bookcase yes. dedicated. I'm on my way to, there. Yeah, to the Harry UK Potter. one, the illustrated one, the original the one. The house edition. The house edition. Um, the paperback, yeah. Yeah, everything, everything. imaginable. The weird, the cool new covers. Right. And, like, even just going on, like, Etsy and seeing, like, covers that people design. Oh, and I that you can that. Sure. order. Like, I had... Um, recently reordered the Hunger Games, and then I realized I didn't like the covers that much, so I went on Etsy and found one where they all, like, match. Oh, I love that. And they're so cool, and they have, like, big quotes from, like, each of the books, and there's, like, so much to find, Mm -hmm. you know? And even what you were saying about it being a tactile experience, like, so much of reading is, obviously, the tactileness of, like, holding your book, but these worlds, like, we just imagine them in our brains, and so it's not, like... It's not like you're you're watching something. I don't I don't fully know how to articulate this, but to have these swag items is a way for it to like become real in some way. Yes. It, it really brings to life like the environment and the experience right. of reading a book. Um and it, and it's there for every book imaginable like (laughs) if you google you will find find it it. like and and again like you're just connecting with people who love that same thing that you do and having that artistic interaction it's just it's just very cool like candles i love bookish candles like there's the bookstagram or candle 
I, I don't even fathom like what you would think that smells like <laughs> to create that. A but ring I light. Love. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it smells like, a ring light. A ring light. But yeah, <laughs> and then there's like, I got like Alice in Wonderland soap. <laughs> exactly. There's truly anything that you but want. But yeah, whatever you want, it's there. It's there. And that sort of like leads us into these literary pilgrimages. I feel like this is kind of the end all be all of literary culture that you are such a diehard fan of Jane Austen. You're going to go see, you know, Jane Austen's house. Um, you love, um, I think, yeah, like you love a certain area because that's where the author created these books, things like that. Um, And so many of them overlap. So mm -hmm. you can go to bigger areas and kind of like encompass a lot of different authors or a lot of different, you know, books or even just comparing like a book, two different books that take place in the same area, but in totally different time periods. Oh, what a And now you're going to experience it in a third Third time time period. period. (laughs) And you're sort of like, wow, like, what would this look like? Like, what would these stories look like now? And oh, I love that. What's changed, you know, between the writings of these different, like, yeah. books? Well, even when you and I were chatting about the um, the podcast, you had mentioned Russia. And I thought that was such an interesting place to want to visit. And then as, as you were talking about it, I was like, well, of course, like, that makes total sense. So tell our listeners kind of what your thought was. Um, with wanting to visit Russia and, like, a literary pilgrimage? So, I am obsessed with Russian literature, Russian culture, and I have been since high school when I read Anna Karenina and that was for it. an outside reading. And then I, I, I was hooked. I was like, like I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm Russian, like, deep down. Um, but, and I love, like, Anastasia and the mystery around that. I love the time periods and and everything to do with that culture. And all I want to do is ride the trains that you see in Anna Karenina. Yes. And I want to walk the thousand steps for crime and punishment and count them. Right. And, you know, eat the food there and just really, like, dive into the mindset of, like, what these authors experienced Um And I know Russia is a cold and desolate place most of the time, but my heart lives there because these books have just been so life-changing. And and yeah, all I want to do is like map out my own like self-guided tour to these different areas and, and see like, what is Moscow like? And, you know, what was Anna thinking on these like train steps and what was Kitty thinking when she was ice skating? Right. Well, and even to be, even if you're like rereading the book as you were there and kind of like tracing the path too, like what a meaningful experience um, as a reader, as like you said, like that, that book is life-changing to you. So then like to have that experience is like further life-changing, I feel like. Yeah. And I feel like you can do that for again, any, anything, any book you've mm-hmm. read or listened to. And you know, so many of us have our favorite authors. So, you know, what are they experiencing? I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan as well. And like, even though most of his is very fantasy, there is so much realistic depth. Um, you know, there are places that inspired right. all of his different books. And even if you're lucky enough to have some stuff that's been turned into film or TV show, you can go to those places. Exactly. And now they're real. Like. Yep. 
you know, you can visit Scotland for Harry Potter. Yeah. And you can visit New York for Harry Potter. <laughs> and, you know, just really kind of, like, live that pilgrimage. I don't think I'll get to Russia, though. I don't know. You're still young. So, You're still young. So my backup is Mississippi. Very doable. So, <laughs> so that I can experience William Faulkner. Because okay. he is another near and dear favorite author of mine. And, and all I think about is, like, The Sound and the Fury. And as I lay dying... And any high school listeners who are listening to this are like, oh my god, I hate that guy and all of his summer reading, but I promise you it's worth it. When you get into your 30s, you're like, this is where it's at. This is this is my jam. Um, how long would you need in Mississippi? Like, what would your ideal trip be? Like a week, two weeks? Yeah, I think a week. Okay. Like a nice solid seven days. I mean, a lot of his books take place in the same, like, county. Okay. Um, so, yeah, a week is doable. Mississippi. I can get there. You can get there. Okay, so we'll do we'll do um the Colossal Con East. That'll be September. September. You can take like Mississippi's still warm, so maybe yes. like November. Or, that's what I was thinking. Okay. November. I see this in For your Mississippi. future. I see this in your future. <laughs> um I just oh wow, what a dream. Again, those are two places that I would never choose, but as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I would do a literary pilgrimage there. So Where would you up. go, Renee? Um, yeah, this is so lame. Um, Paris, because of all the nice people. Um, so Shakespeare and Company is one of my very favorite um, bookstores in the whole wide world. That is um, in Paris. It opened in 1919 by a nice young American. Her name was um, Sylvia Beach. And it, what I love about it is it is still a bookstore, so you can still go in there and, and buy books. But um, back in the 20s when it was opened and like thriving writers would just go there and and write um and so when you're walking through it you can there's like in the upstairs area this um typewriter and like this little alcove and so there's information about all the writers that like wrote their works there and so like it's just bookstores are probably like my favorite place in the whole wide world like even more than libraries um I just I love I love a good bookstore. Um, and a so good then, indie bookstore. A good indie, thank you. <laughs> I'll put that plug in there. Um, and so it was just cool then to see, like, one of my favorite general places being so influential to writers who are so important to the canon. Um, now, granted, yes, they're all white men. I realize that. But it's it was still very cool. Um, but other things I think are very cool about um, Paris is just, like, how many again, influential writers found their time in this place. So I'm specifically thinking about Baldwin. Um, I've been reading a lot of Baldwin in 2021 um, and even at the end of 2020. And so he arrives in Paris. He has no money. um, And it's a place for him to, to be safe and to write and to be creative. And I think that that is just a very cool thing to experience. Um, So yeah, Paris is kind of like my end all be all for literary pilgrimages. Um, but we'll see. The world's a big place. You can do it. I read a lot of, I read a lot of like foreign literature. So really it could be anywhere. Yeah. You, you have to plan like a nice, like two, three yeah, weeks. Um, <laughs> pilgrimage. I'll be like driving to Mississippi. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just, yeah, there's just so many things in, in Paris that I didn't even talk about because again, this is just we're just really scratching the surface here. Yes, this is, very much so. This could be like a nine-hour episode. It really could be. Um, 
Any last thoughts with literary culture that you're like, oh man, we need to talk about this. Have you ever met an author like that you're really um, moved oh, by? What a, fun, oh, what a very fun question. I have met a few. So my favorite like author interaction is actually with an artist who then wrote a book. So I met Richard Sarah at the Strand um, right when I moved back to this nice area. And so he talked about his art, but then he also talked about the art that he put in this book. And then he like signed my book. And so I remember like going up to him and just being like, you're really important to me. And then he signed my book and I walked away. Oh. Like that, like that was my interaction. He's this, That's like, so sweet. This, yes. This like very um, old curmudgeon artist man. Um, but again, it's just like interacting with that author or in this instance, like artist who has been so important to you. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. And I feel like you probably have similar interactions. Yes. Um, Okay, totally odd, odd person to meet. Um, but Carrie Elwes. Um, that is. <laughs> I was not expecting that. He did a movie viewing of The Princess Bride when he released his book, As You Wish, oh. where he talks about a lot of the behind the scenes yeah. and the filming of it. And I remember going to Blockbuster. <laughs> and my mom saying let's check out the princess bride and i remember rolling my eyes and being like this is the stupidest sounding movie always like, mom i'm not seven like why are we renting this um but she won and we watched it and my life was changed forever after viewing that film and being like this is like one of the greatest masterpieces yes, ever totally um, and from that moment on i fell in love with carrie elwes and had to watch every single thing he's ever done which I have. Um, and yeah, he did a book signing and a movie viewing and it was just amazing. And, yeah. and I have his signed book yes. displayed lovely on my bookcase. And he's just such a like wonderful, sweet human being. Like he portrays in most things <laughs> yes. he's in, um, not stranger things. He is not a nice guy there. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, when you get to meet them and say like, oh my God, thank you for this. Right. Um, not, I've also met when I worked at Barnes and Noble, um, a couple other like bigger mm-hmm. named authors. And I wouldn't say that they were like personal favorites of mine or anything, um, but it is still really cool to meet yeah. somebody in the literary sphere and who can talk about like an experience of, you know, writing a book and getting published. Um, on Instagram, I connected with Madeline Miller, who is like amazing and wonderful. And I want nothing more than for her to come on here in case you're listening, Madeline. We're, we're manifesting it for the future. <laughs> but yeah, when um after I read Circe, I was just like, wow. This is what I've always wanted in yeah. my Greek mythology. Yeah. And then I read The Song of Achilles. And now I impatiently await her next release, which actually will not be Greek mythology based. Oh, really? um, no, she is actually working on a retelling of Shakespeare's The Tempest. Ooh, all right. Which totally works Sign for her. Up. Yeah. Um, although, again, Madeline, if you're listening, I would love a story about Persephone from your... Perspective, But yeah, we luck out living in such a social media driven world where you really can tweet people or tag someone and you truly 
never know who's going to come across it, who's going to like it. And you're just, it's mind boggling when you're like, oh my God, they saw this and they responded. Yeah. And that's such an interesting part that we did not even touch on here is that in the year of our Lord, 2021, interacting with literary culture has never been easier. Like we've talked about bookstagram, we've talked about, you know, tweeting at an author, we've talked about all of these ways that the common person can interact with these people and these things that I'm going to even say like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you're writing a letter, you're, you know, you still have to travel to those places, you might see an author somewhere, but it's not as instant gratification or instantaneous, or like you said, who might see it as it as it is now. And that's awesome. Like for our last episode, I, you know, tagged Matt Haig on Instagram. Like, did he respond? No. But did he see that we, the Abington Community Library added him that we're talking about this? Probably. Yeah. He's pretty, he's pretty big on the IG. Yes. Um, Or like authors are always procrastinating and tweeting about stuff. So like they'll interact with you and like your tweet. And you know, you can create any profile you want. Mm-hmm. Do you like to talk about books? Well, BookTube is there. Yep. They have a huge following. Are you more interested in that behind the scenes pretty pictures like myself? <gasps> Bookstagram is right. where it's at. And yeah, there's the publishing houses follow all of these. It's a great way to get free swag as well. And just again, connect with fellow fans. Podcasts. Like there's, we have a literary podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. many ways that everyone is doing this and it's awesome. We love it. Like loving this episode right now. All right. Well, We're going to do our shout out for our guest section plug. We always love having guests on the podcast. Um, So Mary, I'm I'm not going to thank you as being a guest because you're a co-host, but in the past you've been a guest. So I'm going to thank you again. But that is, is ways for us to get new voices and new perspectives. If you as our listeners would like to be a guest or have comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, please just let us know. You can always stop by the library. You can email any of us, Mega, Mary, or myself. You can tweet at us. <laughs> Renee loves the Twitter. Slide into our uh, DMs. DMs. Yeah. But um, yeah, we love, we just, we love hearing from people. So come and chat with us. library events. We are open to the public. Yes. And it is very exciting. So exciting to see all the children getting their summer quest packets. People are here. They're using our computers. They're studying. They're taking books out. They're coming to programs. So if you have not visited us since COVID happened, just know that we are open and we want to see you. And we have a lot of cool things happening this summer, like... Summer Quest. What is Summer Quest? That is our annual countywide summer reading program. Um, It's all through Beanstack this year. So you can log in your reading, leave book reviews, check off different activities that you've done, share pictures of activities that you've done, find out about all the programming throughout the county. And for all ages. Yes. And our sister libraries are putting on some super cool events. I, for one, am loving everything North Pocono is offering. (laughs) They have some very cool teen programs. Yeah, They really do. I'm loving Albright's stuff. They're bringing back their Maker Lab stuff. Oh, is it their Maker Mondays? (laughs) Yes. 
Yes. Yes, they're bringing back Maker Mondays. Super excited. I saw that NCK Homes is doing something with um, dinosaurs and fossils. And I so I saw an event on Facebook and I clicked interested only to then read that it was for like fifth through or it was for like um, five to 12 year olds. And so then I had to click uninterested and I felt so terrible. But honestly, <laughs> the description was so wonderful and I thought that it was open to adults. But yeah, like Mary said, like our sister libraries are doing some great events for all ages for adults, kids, teens this summer. So check out your um, local library, go on our website, lclshome.org to get information about Beanstack and SummerQuest. And Mary, you're doing some very cool teen stuff. Let's talk about that. Alrighty, so again, we have our subscription box. Um, the one for the summer is a very special one-off box where you get two titles as well as a variety of activities and items to help you earn your virtual badges um, through Beanstack. So we'll have stuff about discovery and creation and connection and all of these things you'll be able to then, once you create them them together you'll be able to check those off to get your virtual badges we have our raffle baskets um for yes. teens so Mary we have made our... the coolest <laughs> basket for summer quest everyone our fun foodie themed basket with uh, cereal and pop tarts the breakfast of champions my here. two favorite food groups <laughs> <laughs> and we also have a uh, one other like cool little basket with art and meditation related items we are also doing a tie-dye event for teens in july and in august we'll have an after hours glow in the dark party outside which i am so excited that one is for going to be so fun that is like an end of summer exciting party we are going to bowl glow in the dark style and i am so pumped for that um we also have battle of the books which will be virtual this summer um for ages fourth through 12th grade so that'll be lots of fun you can read at your own pace take the quizzes at your own pace um and then we'll have kind of a wrap-up party for that as well this summer uh, i'm pretty excited for some of emily's events emily for the adults. is doing um i love she's doing a live reading of Hamlet, which I think is very, very cool um, in honor and of in anticipation of the Scranton Shakespeare Festival coming back um, this summer. You don't have to memorize anything. You just like come and sign up and you get a part and you just read it out loud. And I think that that obviously that is the way that um, a theater should be engaged with. But it's just like very cool. Like when was the last time you read a Shakespeare play? High school, High school, right? Yeah. Um, and so to be able to read it out loud and like not just have to imagine the voices in your head is great. <laughs> and I love her August program, which is going to be like a murder mystery yes. plot that will our sister libraries will also be helping us with that. So I'm super excited um, for that to get started and kind of see the evolution of how that goes. And yeah. Maybe I can solve this mystery. <laughs> um, Maureen Johnson got you, but Emily. Uh, yeah, she um, always gets me. <laughs> and we, there's tons of kids events. We're doing, um, uh, we just had a touch truck program that was super great. We are doing in-person story times. Um, Nancy and uh, Laura are doing some very cool messy science programs and STEM programs. So there's just, it's so nice to have people back here and, and be coming in person. And I must tell everyone about the event of the season. Um, it is entitled Songbook, 
a musical review, and it is um, a really amazing event. It's happening at Constantino's in Clark Summit on Saturday, August 28th at 5.30 p.m. We uh, are excited to welcome the R Cabaret Productions. They will be singing songs about and from literature, so very much in the same vein of literary culture, um, some stuff from Les Mis and just from a lot of other My Fair Lady, um, other titles as well. Tickets are $75. This is a black tie optional event. You can get the tickets at the library. Um, this is a huge fundraiser for us. We have not been able to fundraise in about a year because of COVID. So we are excited to um, use this as a way to um, raise funds for the library, but also to invite our community to engage with literary culture um, and also to get a great meal. So yes, I'm just going to we love the meal. <laughs> we love the meal. So that is on Saturday, August 28th. It's at 5.30 p.m. Um, you can get tickets at the library. So come and see me and I'll hook you up. All right, Mary, what is happening on our next episode? So our next episode, which will be happening in September, is all about those spooky fall reads to get you into the mood. (laughs) That was more of an owl than a ghost. I'm sorry. (laughs) Owls fit with the spooky read. You know, they're, they're always there when something's about to happen at night. Um, But yeah, it's all about, you know, we're, we're over the beach reads. We're over the cutesy romances. It's time to get into the ghosts, into the undead. Yes. Zombies. Um, so Mega and I will be hosting that with a very special guest. Our one and only Emily, our what, adult what? program coordinator, will be joining this. This is right up everyone's alley, actually, I would say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm very excited to cover ghost stories, zombies, you know, even that dark Victorian Gothic Ooh, literature. Yes. There's so much um, to talk about. So much covering all ages from, you know, cutesy Halloween pumpkin stories all the way up to like Mexican Gothic and Wuthering Heights. So, yes, this will be a very exciting, timely, spooky episode. You can drink apple cider while you listen. That's true. And I'm it's excited nice. for I- apple cider. It's that's yeah. It'll be nice because it'll be right at the beginning of September, so you'll have time to read everything and really like launch into that season. Yes, we will get you all the books you need to create this like cozy, atmospheric mystery time of the year. I can't wait! I can't wait to listen to that, um, and I'm excited to have Emily on the podcast. She will bring a great. She likes the spooky. She does. That was the, one of the first things that I learned about her. And I, <laughs> I was shook. And she was the first person that came to yes, our mind exactly. when we were talking about getting a guest host for that episode. I love it. Um, so, yes, tune back in. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast. We certainly had a lot of fun making it. We plan to have episodes every other month released on the first Friday of the month. So our next episode is set for Friday, September 3rd, and we hope you'll join us for it. You can find us on our website, lclshome.org, or on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play if you search Lexivore Podcast. The music used for this podcast is from podcastthemes.com. We used free theme number five. Many thanks to Mr. Blasco for allowing its use. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.